This is an ABC podcast. Good morning. This is the Friday Sporting Edition of Pacific Beat on ABC Radio Australia. Today on the show, Fiji football player Trina Davis earns an A-League women's trial with the Wellington Phoenix. The PNG Hunters say goodbye to finals and to potentially some of their players who could be out the door after this week. I really think we've got a good core group here that we can build on for the next uh, few years. But yeah, we, we I, I have a feeling we're going to lose a few. And the IVF World Distance Championship competition launches in Samoa. All that and more today on the show. I'm Kyle Evans. Thanks for joining me. But first, Papua New Guinea and Fiji will co-host a new international rugby league tournament set to kick off in 2023 and 2024. Dubbed the Pacific Championship, it follows a $7 million funding injection from Australia and the National Rugby League to boost the level of international competition in the region. The plan is to build up the event so it one day rivals the State of Origin and the NRL Grand Final. A Pacific version of the state of origin. That's the vision behind the newly announced Pacific Rugby League Championship set to kick off this year. The Australian government and NRL have teamed up to create the month-long tournament, featuring seven men and women's teams from across the Pacific. The goal, according to Australia's Development Minister for the Pacific, Pat Conroy, is to evolve it into a calendar event to rival the game's biggest matches. Mal Meninga in the press conference said that if we get this right, the Pacific Championships could rival the state of origin in terms of both passion and, secondly, the level of the games. And for me, that's an absolute goal. I want there to be two sort of landmark marquee events in the rugby league calendar, state of origin and then the Pacific Championships where we have the, the, the best players from the Pacific playing each other. The tournament will be staged after the NRL and NRLW Premiership seasons and will include Australia, New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga, PNG, Fiji and the Cook Islands. Conroy says it will address a gap within the rugby league calendar and offer more international matches for Pacific nations to improve performance and participation. That funding not just supports the sort of travel and running the games and tournament activities, it'll support nrl development and knowledge sharing workshops to take place alongside the matches to build up rugby league participation and professionalism in the Pacific. So I think after two years, we'll have a good idea of how it's going, whether we need to tweak it or whether we can keep going with it and building it up. And I think as, as the product gets more and more seen, I would, I would hope that there's greater commercial opportunities. This year's tournament will commence on October 14 and run over four weeks. It will feature four match days in Papua New Guinea and two in Australia and New Zealand. Fiji, meanwhile, will co-host next year's tournament alongside New Zealand. Fiji national coach Weiss Kativerata says he's confident the event will go over well in his country. I think this is one of the greatest announcements I've um, heard for a long, long time. You know, through the help of uh, Australian government with the PM, uh, the National Rugby League, you know, this is will um, help the growing of the sports, not only in Fiji and in the Pacific Island, you know, not forgetting what Samoa did uh, last year in a World Cup, you know, that's to me personally, uh, living in in Australia for that long, 28 years, and I go to Fiji, you know, I can see the impact of the World Cup, what done to the young kids in the village, you know, um, uh, to be honest, we know we went across a lot of islands, you know, the amount of interest in uh, rugby league is amazing, you know, with this kind of tournament, to me personally, it's one of the greatest news I've ever for a long, long time. 
There's excitement among the women's teams too. PNG Orchids coach Ben Jeffrey says it will allow the side to sustain momentum following their semi-final appearance at the Rugby League World Cup. Yearly they have a PM13 and, and after that they didn't really have too many fixtures but what this does gives them some consistency and look we've built a core group of players from that World Cup now and they are generally all around you know 22, 23, 24 so some will obviously come and go but like what we get to do now is I suppose build some momentum from the World Cup and we've created some real good standards, expectations within the group. So then when they walk in, they sort of know each other. They sort of know majority of the staff and you can get on get on with it. You're not starting again, which is a, it's a really good, uh, I suppose, platform to work off. The announcement of the tournament also follows ongoing support from the Australian government to grant PNG an NRL licence. Conroy says a tournament like this will only help their bid. The biggest challenge to a PNG team entering the NRL competition is really building those uh, player pipelines. Uh, you think about it, Justin Olin was the uh, first uh, player to play all his juniors in PNG before entering the NRL. Someone like David Mead uh, was recruited and entered the Titans um, sort of um, player development pathway at the age of, I think he was 14. Uh, so the more we can develop player pipelines, and part of that is having um, – uh, sort of games and events and showcasing um, rugby league in home countries uh, will increase the pipeline, and that means that that will increase the chances of a PNG team entering the NRL. That was Australia's Minister for International Development in the Pacific, Pat Conroy. And just to confirm the fixture of that tournament, it will kick off on October 14. The Kangaroos will play Samoa in Townsville, followed by Australia and New Zealand in the women in what will be rematches of those World Cup deciders last year. Meanwhile, the PNG men will face the Cook Islands in Port Moresby that same weekend, followed by a women's clash between Samoa and Fiji. Pacific Beat. Let's stay on Rugby League because the PNG Hunters season will come to an end this weekend following their clash with the North's Devils in the final round of the Host Plus Cup on Saturday. The club had held out hope of sneaking into finals. However, wins to the Central Coast Falcons and Northern Pride last week meant the Hunters can no longer finish higher than ninth on the ladder. It's a position that in some way is deserving of the Hunters campaign. While they proved at times they could match it with the best, assistant coach Paul Ayton said inconsistency and poor form away from home home ultimately cost the Hunters a spot in the top eight. I don't want to make any excuses really because I think the, you know, back in the day when the Hunters did win, they did a lot more travelling that we, that, than we are doing now. If I had to pick one of the couple of things that I'm thinking, it would probably be a lot of new guys have come into our squad and that some guys have been first time to Australia. So mm. I don't want to make excuses at all because, you know, our performance is on the field. But I think getting that out of the way and we keep that core group you know, leading into next year, I think it will really help us. Well, I guess, you know, on some of those new faces, there, there were some real bright spots, um, you know, particularly with Morday Morday, who was just a, you know, a, a human um, highlight reel at times. I guess what happens uh, going into next season? Are you guys confident of being, being able to, to bring back the same group? We would like to, but I'm sure we're going to have other clubs, whether it's overseas or, you know, in Australia coming, coming and knocking. So we'll never stand in any of the players' way if they want to go and better themselves at other clubs and better their families. We're, yeah, we'll never stay in the way. We'd love to keep all of them. You know, majority of the players we'd like to keep and um, if we can and build on that because I, I really think we've got a good core group here. 
that we can build on for the next uh, few years. But yeah, we we I, I have a feeling we're going to lose a few. Um, mm. Uh, we'll definitely be offering contracts, but then it's it's up to the player in the, at the end of the day. Yeah, look, uh, Morey Morey, uh, as I mentioned, as well as uh, Roderick Tyre, uh, both spent times with uh, with NRL uh, clubs uh, this season. I, I suppose to look to look at the positive, it uh, it goes to show that you know you, you're on the right path when it comes to developing players. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, hat goes off to the players. Really, they they um, keep turning up, and you know we cram a lot. A lot into them in in a, in a preseason and or even a year. You know, there's a lot of um, new things being crammed into them, and um, credit to them, they, they all the play all the boys to uh, you know soak it all up and keep turning up every week. So I mean, there's a lot of players. There's so many players here. Um, just they just we just need time, you know, to mm. develop them. But um, you know, if they can get picked up, that's great because we'll bring in that next one. So. I suppose it leads me to my next question. Like it's it's a really interesting time with PNG Rugby League with all talks of an NRL bid and, and things like that. Do you think you know in the in the next couple of years scrutiny? Do you think it's really going to increase um, in some ways on the hunters? Given a lot of people are probably going to be looking at the hunters to say, well, I guess this is just a, a snapshot to to what PNG could produce in the NR, in the NRL if they do get that green tick for the license. Oh, most definitely. Um, like anything, I think. I mean, Raycliffe had a lot of scrutiny, but um, coming into the uh, into the competition. But um, you know, I, I I firmly believe we need to have a strong hunters. Mm. But in saying that, you know, we're we're getting players, you know, from the local competition, and we're developing them um, best we can in in um, in our preseason. Um, but I, as I as I've seen being here on the ground. There's a lot happening within the PNG RFL. Mm. It's got a high performance unit. There, uh, ident- there's a player identification. There's um, player identification from 14 to 16 already in place. Um, I mean, it's only in Port Moresby at the moment, but um, they got to start somewhere. So they've just started here, but there's plans to uh, increase that all throughout PNG. They're upskilling um, referees, officials, um, coaches, trainers. All this is just. So, yeah, it's as soon as I've come and they've started this, it's, I'm a bit taken aback about how much is going on. And um, and I think by the time the, the NRL becomes around, it's going to be quite, quite big. And it's really good for PNG Rugby League and the players and for the future of Rugby League in PNG. Yeah, and I, and I suppose if it does come to that, um, player retention is, is going to be a bit of a, a bit of a talking point because I guess looking looking down the track, if they do get an NRL team and and a lot of, a lot of the players have been picked up by clubs in Australia, that that would be a, a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, definitely. But the good thing is we've got a country to pick from. So mm. if we can get that, if we can get that uh, development right, which I see that they're doing, they've started. Um, if we can get that right, we're going to have a we're going to have a load. And the more we, you know, the more that they can go out and whether stay or go out and better their lives and their family, I think that's quite important. Hunters coach Paul Ayton speaking with me there ahead of the Hunters clash with the North Devils on Saturday. Meanwhile, the second week of finals gets underway in PNG's local comp, the Digicel Cup, this week as well. A spot in the grand final will be up for grabs when the Enga Miox meet the Lace Snacks Tigers. The loser of that game will play the winner of the Rabul Gurias and the Goroka Lahanas. <laughs> And it's time to look at what's making headlines from around the Pacific region on this Friday morning. And joining me to do that is our producer, Evan Wasuka. Evan, welcome to the chair. Good morning, Kyle. Great to be here on a Friday. 
It's great to have you. Now, it's it's been a, a very busy week for uh, Vanuatu's uh, MPs with the Prime Minister, Ishmael Kausakau, surviving a no-confidence vote on Wednesday. What's the latest out of Port Vila? Indeed, Kyle. It's been a busy one, and the key word there is survive. He survived that vote of no confidence on a technicality because on Wednesday the opposition actually had more votes than the government. It was 26 to 23 but the opposition didn't have that uh, threshold, which was the 27 MPs, which they needed to win that motion of no confidence. Uh, so the latest out of Port Vila is that the opposition, who were very unhappy with the outcome, they boycotted Parliament yesterday. Now, Buzz FM is reporting that Parliament had been convened by the government for a special session, but it couldn't meet because they didn't have the quorum to uh, start the meeting. So in order for Parliament to start, they needed 34 MPs to be there in on the floor, but that c- couldn't happen because of the boycott. Uh, so the stalemate in Vanuatu politics is just continuing. Uh, the opposition leader, Bob Lofman, held a press conference after that boycott, and he told the media that uh, the boycott was to show the country that the government doesn't have the number of MPs it needs uh, to rule the country and to even call parliament to meet. Uh, it's, it's the same tactic that the government used last week when the opposition tried to move a no-confidence vote. Uh, so the government had boycotted, and that couldn't happen last week. Now um, the opposition is turning the tables on the government, uh, Mr. Lofman says uh, they're planning to go to court to get a judicial review about that vote of no confidence, and they want to get an interpretation on the on the numbers because the opposition had more, but they didn't uh, win it because of the um, that threshold of 27 MPs. Uh, interestingly, uh, Buzz FM reports that even yesterday there was still a lot of movement in terms of MPs crossing the floor. One opposition MP switched and he went back to government. Um, so the game in uh, Vanuatu politics is continuing. It very much sounds like one, doesn't it? God, uh, uh, su- surviving on a, on a technicality, I'll, I'll bet that Mr. Kausakau is also very happy that, uh, that it's Friday. Um, let's move on, Evan. The Pacific has been the place to visit for the world's diplomatic elite as of late. We recently had French President Emmanuel Macron and New Caledonia uh, in, in New Caledonia, Vanuatu, and Papua New Guinea and also US Secretaries of State uh, and Defence. But the latest diplomatic visit didn't pan out. Why is that? That's right. So uh, Annalena Baerbock, who's the German foreign minister, she was scheduled to visit Australia, New Zealand and Fiji this week. According to The Guardian, Ms. Baerbock had to call off her trip after her government jet developed technical problems twice and had to turn back on the way to the Pacific, and it had to go back to Abu Dhabi. Now, The Guardian reports that on both occasions, the plane had to uh, jettison the fuel tank so that it could land safely. On Twitter, the foreign minister said they had tried everything, but the trip couldn't uh, continue because it wasn't logistically possible. And she described the situation as more than annoying. Um, There's also been some political backlash back in Germany about the uh, failed trip, uh, commentators in Germany described it as a humiliation for Berlin because it tarnished Germans, Germany's reputation for technical prowess when the government plane um, couldn't make the trip. Uh, it's a bit unfortunate for the German foreign minister and uh, the Pacific as well because she was supposed to be in Fiji for the opening of a new embassy there and she was supposed to uh, return artifacts from a German museum back to indigenous people in Canberra. And she was also supposed to attend a World Cup match in Sydney. 
Yeah, that that is a shame. But um, oh, look, I guess she didn't miss much of a match in the end, did she? With the with the Matildas going down. Oh, maybe she was an England fan. But um, anyway, uh, moving on again. Now, speaking of VIP visitors, one delegation uh, did make it into the Pacific. Uh, this was a group from the U.S. Congressional Select Committee looking uh, into competition with China, but they weren't exactly welcome with open arms. Uh, that's right, Kyle. So the committee um, were looking at the influence of the Chinese Communist Party uh, in, in the region. Uh, so it was, I guess, to be expected that the committee would make their way to Solomon Islands. Solomon Islands did sign up that uh, security pact with China the other year. But uh, the Guardian also reports that they weren't exactly greeted with open arms in Honera. Uh, they tried to get a meeting with the Prime Minister Manasseh Sogavare. Instead, uh, the Prime Minister's office said that the government was too busy to see them and they couldn't uh, meet up with the group. Um, the congressional, uh, co- the congressional person uh, Neil Dunn, um, he said it was uh, a missed opportunity, but they did manage to get other visits out of the way. So it's just part of the cycle we're seeing across the Pacific of uh, higher-level delegates coming into the region to meet with governments and to, uh, uh, yeah. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see what else is left over the coming months. Yeah, there's there's certainly been uh, no shortage of delegates uh, in the Pacific as of late, and I don't think that's about to cha- change any time soon. Uh, Evan Wasuka, thank you very much for joining me on Newswrap this morning. Thank you, Kyle. That was Evan Wasuka joining me with Newswrap. In the Fale is a brand new music show on ABC Radio Australia. Hosted by me, Paola Tukefu. I'll be spinning my favourite tunes from dancehall to disco, calypso to country, reggae to roots, and hip-hop to house music. From across the era to keep the kids and the aunties happy. If it has a pumping groove, I'll be bringing it to you to bump you into the weekend. In the Fale, Fridays at 4pm PNG time on ABC Radio Australia. Well, the Matildas' World Cup dream might be over, but the career of a young Fijian footballer might be about to take off. Fiji national player Trina Davis has been on trial with A-League women's club, the Wellington Phoenix. She was one of three Fijian players to earn the opportunity, and it comes after two other of her coolest teammates travelled to the US earlier in the month to trial with the Orlando Pride. Trina is in New Zealand at the moment, and with that I say welcome to the show, Trina. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's not a problem. I've always wondered uh, how these trials work because I know that you're based uh, in the US full time. So how does it work one day? Your phone rings and it's like, look, Wellington's interested. Hop on a plane because uh, you might be living in New Zealand soon. Is that kind of how it works? It was kind of like that. I was actually in Fiji. We were supposed to have our uh, four friendly matches in Solomon Islands and those got cancelled. So I was in there and I was talking to Emma Evans and nausea and i was just like i need a i need to play on a team like i'm i was wondering if you guys could help me or something and literally the next day they both got back to me and was like how does wellington phoenix sound and i was like well i mean i'm open for any opportunity i'm given so they kind of got the ball rolling i went home um i had my cousin he was 16 he passed away so i had to go home for um my funeral services and then I just left after a week, and I came here. I've never been on a trial before, um, so this is kind of new for me also. So I came, I did some testing um, the first week, and then this week we just had one practice a day, and then we're able to go to the gym and the facility um, every day too. So that's just what I've been doing so far, and it's been it's been good so far. Um, yeah, I'm just super excited. Uh, I have two more weeks left, so 
just excited to see what's coming. Yeah, fantastic. I've always been um, fascinated by the lifestyle uh, of professional athletes, particularly the ones who are very much, you know, on on the brink of the pros and, you know, traveling all over the world and, you know, uh, attending trials and things like that. Is there, I imagine there's probably a real pressure and and a stress that that comes with it of having to, I guess, pack up your life at the drop of a hat, not knowing uh, if you're going to be back to what your original home was anytime soon. Right. That's, I think that's been like my lifestyle for the past five years. Um, it's always within a week I have to pack up my stuff and leave. And I'm doing it a lot alone, so that's just kind of the stressful part, but I have a lot of support from my family. Um, I actually have my aunt, my mom's sister. She lives in Wellington, so it was super amazing that, that with this opportunity she was able to come. And she brings me food. She brings me jackets because it was way colder here than I expected. But, no, definitely the life is... It's a lot, but I'm super grateful for it. I've always wanted to travel the world and play soccer, so given this opportunity, that's like my dream come true. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, it sounds like the trial is going for a while, and it's probably one of those things you you probably don't know how you go until it's all finished, but how how do you think you've gone? Has it it been tough? Has it been easy so far? What's it been like? Um, Yeah, that's that's the hard part. I'm not sure where I stand or... um, with anything or when I'll know. So it's been good. Um, I feel like I've been doing great. I've had some good goals um, during practice. So that's been exciting. Uh, And I feel like I've just gotten better as a player overall. Um, Since my surgery in October, uh, I just took those months to just train, train, train and be able to use my left foot more. So I think it's definitely helped me even with my defending, um, just seeing how I'm playing out there now with those girls, I feel like um, they're more, playing like how they play in the U.S. with their skill works and how fast play they play and just like their drive to play. They're all wanting like soccer is their passion. So it's fun. It's it's a fast level play for sure, but I think I'm doing pretty well. You're listening to Pacific Beat on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Kyle Evans, and I'm chatting with Fijian footballer Trina Davis, who is uh, in the midst of a trial at the moment with the Wellington Phoenix in the A-League women's competition uh, in New Zealand. Now, Trina, I know this this wasn't your first taste of professional soccer. You've been uh, on the show before talking about your time uh, in Israel and Tel Aviv, and I know you've played in Puerto Rico. How does uh, the women's A-League, I guess, stack up or compare to, to competitions you've played in in the past? Is is it, is it a higher standard of play? Yeah, I definitely think it is. Um, way, I think it's probably the best level I've played on yet, so that's exciting. It's where I've wanted to be. Um, just with girls who who are their drivers to just be better, to make it far one day, and um, their work, work ethic, just their drive, uh, it's, it's super good to be on something like this, so I'm excited for it. Yeah, I've always, I'm somewhat of a soccer fan myself, but I've always wondered um, where the A-League, I guess, uh, ranks compared to other leagues in the world. I know in the men's competition, it's probably, it's a decent, it's a decent standard, but it wouldn't be considered, I guess, the, among the elite in the world. Is that different uh, in women's soccer? Is it is it ranked a little bit higher? No, I don't think so. I think uh, Wellington Phoenix just started up with the women's side uh, two years ago, so they're still new. Um, and then I heard that Paul Temple, he's the new coach, this will be his first season here too. So I haven't really met any girls on the team yet. I think they're all coming in um, within this week or next week. So I'm practicing with the U23 team right now at the moment. So I'm I'm not familiar with the team or how they'll play, but the girls I'm playing with now, they're playing fast. Some of them are on the 
U19 New Zealand national team that actually just played in Fiji uh, for their World Cup qualifier. So when I went to watch their games, I know I recognized some of the faces, and I was like, oh, you guys played in Fiji last month. I saw you play. <laughs> so that was, that was exciting. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you were there? And I was like, yeah. I mean, I came to watch some of the games, so that was cool. Yeah, I imagine soccer would be a pretty small community, uh, particularly uh, in this part of the world. Um, and I'm sure, look, uh, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, I guess uh, the A-League women, it might still be in its infancy. But, hey, look, given the success uh, of the Matildas and even the football ferns in New Zealand as of late, this might be the uh, the perfect time to join the A-League. What do you think? Right. No, definitely with the World Cup even being in New Zealand and Australia, it's given more girls opportunity to just watch women's football and to see how much of an impact it has. Um, and I think it's definitely this year with the following years, it's going to grow big time. So I think that's important or that, that was just amazing that OFC was able to host um, a world cup. So with that, it's just going to, I think it's going to grow. It's going to be amazing for even young girls to just, you know, cause there is more soccer on TV for girls to watch. So I think that's important, and I think I just think it's going to grow huge, like big. This is this was a big start for women's football. Yeah, well, it, it's been massive uh, on this side of the world, uh, as as you would know. I mean, I know you've been busy with your trial and all, but have you had a chance uh, to watch much of the uh, of the World Cup uh, during your downtime? Oh heck yeah! <laughs> I even actually went to uh, the game that was in Wellington. It was Spain versus who did they just play? Uh, Sweden was it? Sweden, yes, Spain versus Sweden. So I went and watched that game. So that was really cool to watch. Um, I went with the assistant coach and the uh, main coach. They had an extra ticket, so it was it was super awesome. They invited me to go with them, and then just seeing the environment, and just watching the games, it's so fun and exciting. I actually went to the World Cup in Canada, so it, it was cool just being able to go in different countries and watching women's football. And I think there were so many more kids at this game that it just made my heart warm. Out of curiosity, uh, you'd be around the same age as, as Mary Fowler. Did you guys ever cross paths, um, you know, during your, your junior careers or anything like that? I'm not for sure. I don't remember, but p- probably potentially we did. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I can imagine you both would have been playing at that uh, at that high level. But she's yeah, she's obviously someone who's really made a name from it for herself uh, during this World Cup with a great play on field, but also with the with the PNG uh, connection uh, back home, which is uh, which is great to see. Um, I guess last question um, before we go, Trina. Who do you think is uh, is going to win the World Cup? Obviously, everyone's pretty devastated here in Australia and uh, probably in New Zealand as well to an extent. But uh, do you think England will go all the way, or do you think uh, Spain will? get them i think spain will get them i have a, i have a lot of faith in spain just watching their level of play and just they're so fast and their skill work while they play um i'm i don't know i think it's going to be a really good game england might win but i i really hoping spain will win i think they're going to come out and just prove prove like they're themselves they're they're a great team i think it's going to be an exciting game i have to get sky sports so i can watch it but uh <laughs> I've been just keeping up on Google with that and just watching the replays. So, but I'm like, this is the final game I have to watch. I think Spain will definitely shock everyone, but it'll it'll be a good match. But props to Australia, though, for making it this far. They've done an amazing job. 
Oh, look, absolutely. And I think the legacy benefits of this, further investment into women's sport, not just in Australia, but but New Zealand as well, and and throughout the Pacific and Oceania, I think that'll be the the big winner uh, out of this uh, this whole thing. Uh, Trina, thank you very much uh, for joining us on the show today, and and good luck for the remainder of your trial uh, with the Wellington Phoenix. We hope to see you playing uh, in the Women's A-League before long. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Not a problem at all. That was Fijian footballer Trina Davis speaking with me there uh, during her trial with the Wellington Phoenix. You're listening to Pacific Beat on ABC Radio Australia. And uh, and speaking of that, Matilda's star, Mary Fowler, who we, uh, we were discussing a second ago, she very much captured the attention of the world during the World Cup. And now plans are in place to ensure her influence continues to grow in the Pacific after the tournament. Discussions are already underway to bring the 20-year-old star to Papua New Guinea, where her mother was born. It comes after she posted a 10-second clip uh, of Fowler thanking her fans in her mother's native tongue. I caught up with the man who orchestrated that message this week, his deputy governor, of PNG's National Capital District, Dari Toka Jr. We were having a breakfast after the, the, the victory in, uh, against France. I represent the, the constituents that, you know, that her mother is from. Um, uh, and um, it, it was important that, um, you know, th- that everyone finds a connection uh, with Mary, whether it's the country or whether it's the tribe or, or whether it's, you know, the, 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 the city they're from. And, you know, I, I, with all the other interviews that she's done, she hasn't been given the opportunity to, to showcase the, 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 the culture that she, 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 she's from. So, you know, we, we, we took that opportunity with her parents to, hey, listen, can you record something in, uh, in, in, in your mother's uh, uh, dialect, which is, uh, you know, which is the constituents I represent, Motu and Koitabu people. Um, so those are two uh, different dialects, and and I I, I must say she spoke uh, uh, dialect uh, the the, the Kotabu dialect better than me. So I was very impressed. And it was just a short message, but it was enough to showcase that she, you know, Mary is not just one dimensional. You know, she, she she's quite a talent. Yeah, well, I can tell you, she doesn't do many exclusive interviews. So I guess by doing that, it speaks to how proud she is of her culture. You mentioned as well that following the World Cup, there's some tentative plans in place to hopefully bring her to Papua New Guinea. Is that the case? We're having discussions. You know, we, we, we were consulting the family. Uh, you know, it's we've got to do what's best for Mary. The, these are uh, wonderful times, great opportunities for, for Papua New Guinea, Port Moresby, and of course, uh, the indigenous people as a whole. So, yeah, we're just having some preliminary discussions on, on how, you know, Mary would be involved. So uh, those are very just premature. So we, we just, there's a lot more detail I can I can go into once, uh, you know, once we firm up some of the, the, the details. But th- there are discussions because we'd love to We'd love to bring her back here and to, to, to thank the supporters here, especially to see her family. It's um, That's what's important. Her family's been the driving force of um, pushing the World Cup uh, exposure in, in, in the city. They, they're the ones that set up uh, the big screens in the villages and, and to get the, the everyone else in the village to come out and watch you know, what's what, a young girl from their tribe, you know, perform on the world stage. So that, that's first and foremost. I'd like to bring her back to, you know, to, to see the family. Yeah, we've seen photos online of, of how Kirikiri uh, has been decorated uh, in honour of Mary uh, and the Matildas. Uh, yes, it and has. It's, it's just been great. What kind of things have you seen on the ground? Have you seen like an increase in soccer balls? Have you seen little kids running around in black gloves or anything? <laughs> yeah, well, 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 probably not the black gloves yet, but uh, yes, they, they, there's been uh, yes, they, like I said, it's, uh, the interest is there. Before every game, the kids are out playing soccer. You know, usually you go to Kerikeri Village, it's 
it's how they're playing cricket or rugby league. And, and, and now, you know, prior to the games, you've got the, the, the soccer balls are out. So um, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see more opportunities. Dadi Toka Jr., Deputy Governor of the National Capital District there in PNG. Well, Pacific people have travelled the ocean for thousands of years using the single or double, va- double hull va'a. So it's only fitting that a competition from Polynesia is returning there with the International Vaha Federation and Samoa hosting this year's IVF World Distance Championship competition. Held every two years, 27 countries are vying for that gold medal. Someone who is very familiar with the competition and was the captain of the first ever all-female longboat crew is Vaima Sanua Sita Zefo Martel. And she joins us on the line now to give us the latest. Zita, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much, um, and Taro Falava from Apia Samoa, uh, <laughs> where we're seeing so many athletes and paddlers from all around the world uh, here. And it's so beautiful. The weather has turned out fantastic uh, for all our paddlers. Uh, started with a bit of rain in the opening ceremony last weekend, but this week we've seen blistering heat. And, uh, and a lot of action on the water. Yeah, I've seen some of those images online. It looks absolutely fantastic. I know the competition has really grown uh, over the years. Uh, is this year uh, continue to do that? Yes, I believe it has, especially this is also the first time that uh, we've hosted the, the distance, uh, World Distance uh, Championships for VAA. Uh, the last time we hosted the IVF World Sprints, uh, was in 1994, and that's 29 years ago. Now they've brought the World Distance uh, Championships here, and it's really fantastic. There's so many, so many more countries involved uh, in the sport. I will admit, I'm, I'm not an expert on the sport. Out of curiosity, what what what's the difference between a, a distance race and a sprint? Oh, the sprint you're looking at around uh, 500 meters, 1,000 meters, mm-hmm. uh, 2,000 meters. Um, but now for the world distance, you're looking at five kilometers, no, not five kilometers, uh, 16 kilometers, 24 kilometers. So, yeah, it's like a marathon, cool. running marathon, you know, 20- where you have the 100 meter runs and uh, it's the same as on the water. Yeah, it would it would take a, a total different type of athlete to, uh, to compete in those two events, I can completely imagine. Now, um, which country has been uh, tipped as the favorites uh, so far in this event? Uh, usually we're looking at the, you know, the old favorites, uh, Tahiti, they're very, very strong. Um, and so is Hawaii. Uh, Aotearoa is also another really strong uh, contingent and team um, and have traditionally been the ones that uh, we kind of like us in the islands uh, look up to because they do have some fantastic uh, paddlers. Uh, but also they, you know, they're bigger and they have more clubs for competition. Um, yeah, so Tahiti has fielded really, really well uh, in these competitions, and so is um, Australia, Aotearoa, um, and Hawaii, and of course uh, America. Uh, America is coming up as well in uh, in Va'a. They won the gold medal for the women open ocean yesterday for 24 kilometers, and so that's like the elite of paddlers in the open women division. Uh, in the master four, uh, no, um, yeah, 24 kilometers. It was fantastic. And America also fielded a very different type of paddle yesterday uh, in, in this competition. And, and their model is like, uh, it's called the Stingray model of paddle. 
very tiny blades, but apparently very, very efficient for long distance, but not good for short, um, for sprints. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, wow. So it's uh, it's obviously a lot of Pacific teams, uh, which is great. No surprises there. But it sounds like it, it's, a, it's a sport which other countries are really latching onto. Yes, they are. Um, I mean, it's originated here in, the, in, in Polynesia, but now we have countries. Germany is here. We have Brazil, Peru, Chile, Rapa Nui. I mean, Rapa Nui is part of um, our Polynesian um, countries, but uh, the European countries are also in the uh, sport now as well. Um, and it's really fantastic to see that, that it has grown beyond our Pacific shores. And, it, yeah, it's really great. Now, great growth for the sport. Now, I know you've been, uh, you've been commentating the competition. What challenges do, do some of the teams face uh, while out uh, on the water, I guess? You know, take us, take us inside the boat and, and tell us what it's like to, yeah, to, to, to be a rower. Uh, to be a paddler, you mean? A paddler, sorry. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they're faced with the heat um, because we've got um, the heat here is really high. You're looking at about 30, 30 degrees Celsius. Um, and also, once they reach, um, when they uh, get out of Apia Harbour in the sort of calmness of Apia Harbour, then you're faced with all the currents and the swells out there. At the start of the week, it was quite choppy out outside in the um, in Apia, outside in the ocean. Um, so these are the, uh, the conditions that the paddlers are facing. Um, you know, some of them would love to be able to paddle within the lagoon uh, because it's less choppy. Um, but, you know, that's what you have to face when you're on long distance racing because um, you're out in deep ocean and um, trying to manage the currents and also the, the swells, the troughs, and pulling out of the troughs when, you're, um, when you sink into one. Um, yeah, but also the just the fatigue from the heat, um, and especially uh, for the countries that um, coming in from winter, yeah, uh, yeah it, it would have for them it would have, they would have to acclimatize quite quickly to the heat of Samoa and also the humidity. Um, so these are pretty much the conditions that really the paddlers are faced with uh, here in Samoa. But otherwise, um, we haven't seen any major incidents yet. Um, Everyone's enjoying the, the competition so far. God, I can only imagine ha- how you condition y- yourself for something like that, because I imagine you can't just have a drink break or a, uh, or a snack break in the, in the middle of a 24-kilometre uh, race when you're dealing with currents and the wide open sea as well as your, yeah. your competitors. Well, um, yeah, if you, if for, for long distance, uh, a lot of the teams, they take the water packs on their back with a tube that runs, you know, uh, that is really sort of like right, right close to their mouth. So they are able to hydrate uh, during these uh, long distance races. Um, yeah, so, you know, they, they are able to drink um, if they have enough water to last them for the 24 kilometers, if you happen to be on a 24 kilometer race. Um, yeah, so that's what we saw yesterday. Some teams, you know, uh, took turns to, to have a drink of water because it was really hot. It's been really hot here. Now, Zita, I know you've uh, I know you've got to go, so I'll just uh, I'll just ask the one last question. What does the future uh, of the competition uh, look like, and uh, who's going to be hosting next time? Um, we're not quite sure. I'm, I'm not quite sure who will be hosting the world distance next time. Um, but I think the, I believe the future of VAA uh, worldwide is really positive and it's fantastic because we're seeing the growth of it. Um, 
not here, not just only in the Pacific uh, Rim countries, but also um, outside of the Pacific Rim. Um, you know, like we're seeing people, uh, teams now from Great Britain, Germany, um, it, which is fantastic. And we're also, uh, you know, with the IBF, they're trying to get the the, the VAA uh, into the Olympics. So we've got also a few Olympians who competed from uh, New Zealand, um, you know, in this competition, who changed, uh, we have Anne Kearns, Kearns, who is a Samoan comp- competitor, and she uh, was a kayaker uh, in the Olympics, and she changed code just to be part of this competition for the world distance, and she won gold for the V1 um, uh, women, open women which is great for Samoa. It is a fantastic Samoa and great for the sport. And it's fantastic to hear that the outlook of the sport uh, is looking uh, so healthy long-term. Zita, that's all we've got time for, but thank you very much for joining us today on Pacific Beat. Yeah, you're welcome, and talo falava, and to fastui fua. Thank you. That was Vaima Sanuo Zita Zephyr Martel uh, giving us the latest there on the IVF World Distance Championships competition in Samoa. Well, the Flying Fijians will look to claim their fourth win in as many matches on Sunday when they face France in a World Cup warm-up match in Paris. Momentum has been building for Fiji in recent weeks following their Pacific Nations Cup win and will enter the match having risen to ninth on the world rankings. It's thanks in part to new coach Simon Rewa-Louis, who appears to have shifted the fortunes since taking the helm. World number three France will likely pose his biggest challenge yet, but win or lose, sports journalist and administrator of the Fiji Rugby Facebook Forum Forum, Tia Rocco, says there's an optimism an optimism that now exists around the team, which certainly wasn't there three months ago. People are in good spirits. People are really optimistic and people are hoping that, you know, with the game this weekend, that things will be achieved. And it's really, as I said, the prelude to the big dance that is coming up. And I think, if anything, uh, people will be looking at the performance of the team um, and how they're able to, um, you know, overcome challenges, especially during the game and uh, the 80 minute game. And so um, I think a lot of speculation will be happening um, as well yeah. after the game. Yeah, look, uh, Simon Rewa-Louis, he was really under the, the microscope when he took over with everybody watching so closely. How yes. much equity has, has he built up with the fans after this red hot start? So, Carl, the, the outcome this weekend for the coaches, uh, I think, um, you know, there will be a really great performance by the Fiji team. And I think that, you know, they have achieved cohesion as a well. Um, you know, we had a few teething problems um, that came out when during the team formation. And I think Simon has built a lot of um, credibility uh, in terms of his leadership. And I think that, you know, the outcome this weekend will uh, be a, a reflection of, you know, how they've worked together cohesively as a working group. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing um, the game this weekend and I think every other Fijian across the planet is really excited to see the outcome. Yeah, 100%. Well, at the moment, they've just been elevated to ninth in the world. Now, that might change uh, depending on whether they, they win or lose um, 
this weekend, but I reckon if you go back six, six months, I mean, yeah, that, that would have been a pretty optimistic thing to say that um, Fiji would enter the World Cup uh, in the top 10. One of the other things I've actually found quite um, you know interesting about this is a, a lot of the, uh, the Fijian players do play professionally in France and already have profiles um, over there, and we've seen that with the publicity uh, they are getting. So, you know, in some ways, a lot of them are going to be pretty pretty comfortable playing in France, don't you reckon? Yeah, well, you know, rising to number nine if Fiji is to succeed, reach that, it would be, um, you know, such a massive win on many different levels, you know. I mean, the, the French community has been so, um, you know, so uh, welcoming to the team. And, and in as far as their celebrity level, I think, they're, you know, they've got quite a few Fijians playing over there in France. And I think that they are familiar with um, a lot of the players anyhow, and it would be like welcoming back their very own players. So I think this is, you know, like a um, this is an indication, you know, their performance at the at this game this weekend. It's an indication and confirmation for having uh, for their participation, for example, in the Super Rugby uh, competition. You know, if they were to go a level higher throughout the Rugby World Cup. You know, the women did it at the delayed World Women's World um, Rugby Cup uh, last year, um, and they improved their standing. We want to see and expect to see the same for a Rugby World Cup for the men, um, yeah, in the coming months. So really looking forward to that. And Tia, Tia just lastly, uh, the game is at 7.05 a.m. Fiji time on Sunday, so a little bit earlier in, uh, in Arnhem time uh, where you're based. Will you be waking up for it? Definitely, most definitely. A lot of people are already talking about it. You know, we had the wallabies over here in Arnhem Land over, and it was really exciting. Everyone here is excited. Uh, if anything, uh, people are starting to recognise that there is something happening all, all, with all the nations uh, participating, especially for us throughout the region here. And uh, everyone's looking forward to the Fiji game uh, against France this weekend. Sports journalist Tia Rocco speaking to me there. That match to be played at 7am Fiji time on Sunday. Speedster Vinaya Habosi will return to the side as well. And that does bring us to the end of Pacific Beat. We'll be back at the same time on Monday morning. That's 6am PNG time. You can hear the show there with Aggie Tupo. You can also hear us again this afternoon at 3pm PNG time. Stay tuned to ABC Radio Australia because the news is next. You can also find our top stories on our website. Just type Pacific Beat at Radio or Radio Australia into your search engine. I've been your host today. My name is Kyle Lems. It's been awesome chatting sport with you. And good luck to everyone out there playing sport or watching sport this weekend.